Well, if it's hard to preach for me, I ain't living right. <laughs> Brother Steve and Brother Larry about took off with it without even trying. So if I can't preach tonight, I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He's in this house tonight. Amen. Amen. I appreciate God's goodness. Just seems like here lately the Lord's stirring people. I can't say it's anything that I've done or anything that we're doing. It's just God is stirring people's hearts. You know, the Bible said the Behold, my word is promised. And when you see these things come to pass, and these things are coming to pass every day before your eyes, that you should lift up your head. You should know, and you should rejoice at knowing your redemption is drawing nigh. My coming is soon, saith the Lord. I'm preparing my bride for my soon return. Eyes have not seen, neither hath ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things that I have prepared for my people in my city, saith the Lord. Look up this night and rejoice, for your salvation is very near, saith God. <laughs> Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah. Would you lift your hands and love it? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you tonight, Lord. We praise you in the house of our God. Hallelujah. We went and ate lunch today, and I've, I've ate lunch down the road of many, many a time, and you just kind of, anywhere you go, you're trying to build a relationship with people, at least you should be. Somebody may not just let you preach to them on the first time they ever meet you because they don't know you. And they've been burnt by somebody. Most most people have been burnt by somebody in their life. And you've got to, for a lot of people, get through about 10 walls of barriers they've built up of distrust before they'll ever let you in and just going in and being nice and going in and praising the Lord and going in and talking about Jesus. And, and uh, we were in there today and when we got through, the owner of the restaurant come out and just handed me a check and said, if you will, put that in the offering in the church for me. Oh, bless she God. said, I just, I just, something about you, I just, I appreciate your life and I appreciate what you do for the Lord and, uh, before Dad turned around and said, well, you, you just need to come on. We just ride down the road. You just need to come on and be with us, be a part of us. She said, well, I'm always here working, but uh, it just seems like God's stirring people. Amen. I told you about a young man who's in my office with me yesterday. He said, will, will you meet me at the church? And I just need you to pray for me. I just need need the Lord in my life. And uh and I did. I talked with him, prayed with him, and uh, I told him, I said, you know, you, you're going to have to come to a place where you just make a, 
But Brother Steve was saying, you got to separate. You got to make a break. And you just got to say, that's it. No more. No more of sin. No more of this world. I said, we call it repentance. And uh, I said, you, you're just going to have to decide it's Jesus or the world. And when you make that choice for Jesus, and then you're going to find out there's another world altogether that you've been missing out on. It's a spiritual world, but it's as real as this one. And the writer said it's joy unspeakable and full glory of glory. Amen. Amen. There are no lawbreakers in that kingdom. No cussers, no alcoholics, no dope addicts, no homosexuals. Come on here. I'm telling you, it's a better world than this one. I wouldn't trade it for nothing. And one day real soon, we're going to exchange this world for that. Amen. Our faith is going to end in sight. We're going to see him as he is. This world, the Bible says, is going to pass away. Former things will be remembered no more. So uh, I'm looking forward to that day. Matthew 24. We'll begin reading with verse number three. Matthew chapter 24, beginning with verse number three. Men, don't forget Friday night, seven o'clock, we'll have our first men's fellowship right here uh, at Bible Way. Looking forward uh, to that. Brother Minks is going to be bringing uh, a word from the Lord to us. We're going to have a great time of fellowship afterwards in the fellowship hall, and uh, it's going to be a good time. If you know somebody that needs the Lord, uh, Invite them, bring them. There's no no pressure. You can tell them it's just a men's meeting and where us men are going to get together. We're going to hear uh, from the word. We're going to pray together with one another and for one another. We're going to have a good time of fellowship yeah. afterwards. And hopefully in the months to come, we can move that uh, to different locations, different houses. Brother Homer's already uh, volunteered for, uh, he's got that big barn that he, he built, he said, we can have a meeting out in the barn. I said, man, I like that. I like barn meetings. I go to one every year. Up in Kentucky, somebody converted a barn into a church. Man, we have barn burners every night. So uh, I look forward to what God's going to do uh, in our men in the days to come. Matthew 24, beginning with verse number three. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear wars and rumors of wars, see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nations, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated 
of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another, shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. I want to preach to you, title of message, Readiness for His Return. Readiness for His Return. Father, we thank you again for your word. So glad, so thankful, Lord, to be saved tonight, to be full of the Holy Ghost, a child of God on my way to heaven. The journey's getting sweeter every day. I thank you, Lord, for the praise reports that we've received, the testimonies given. God, you're a good God. You're at work in, in the midst of your people. You're doing good things. And, oh, God, I pray you would do that good thing in my heart tonight and in my life. Touch us around this altar. You know every need, Lord. I pray, God, for everyone tonight that's sick in body, those that are battling COVID, so many, too many to name and to count. I pray you'd heal in their body. Those that are suffering with cancer, I pray you would heal and touch and make whole tonight. God, we'll praise you for what you're going to do. We ask it together in Christ's holy name. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? Readiness. For his return. The disciples started out in our text and they asked the Lord a question. They asked him privately, saying, tell us, when shall these things be? Jesus said, you see this temple? We're looking at the second temple. And he said, this temple is going to be destroyed. Not one stone is going to be left upon another. It's going to be torn down and trampled. You'll never know it was here. They said, tell us, when are these things going to happen? What's going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? <coughs> Jesus answered, and he began to give them not what they wanted, because what they wanted, they said, when are all these things going to start happening? And what are what is your sign that you're going to give us that these things are about to start happening? And when is the end of the world going to be? We'd love to put that on our calendar and circle it so that we'll know and be ready for it. Everybody wants to know dates and times, don't they? Everybody wants to know who the Antichrist is. Everybody wants to know that kind of stuff, but Jesus said, basically, without saying it, he said, I'm not going there. First thing he told them, take heed that no man deceive you. They, along with everybody else, want to know when, but he doesn't tell them when the end will be, but rather he begins to give them essentials that they would need to be ready when the end came. No man's going to know the day nor the hour. But there is going to be a people that are ready when the day and the hour comes. It will appear that they knew the day and the hour because they will be watching. They will be praying. They will be working. 
They will be living just like they expected Jesus to come when he came. They will not be taken by surprise or off guard. They will be ready for his return. I want to talk to you about those essentials that I feel like Jesus covered in our text tonight on what we need to do to assure that we're ready for the Lord's coming. And the very first is in the text where we opened up with tonight in verse number four. He said, or yeah, in verse four, take heed that no man deceive you. Notice the words take heed there. Now the same gospel, you'll find it in Mark in chapter 13 and verse nine. He said, but take heed to yourself for they shall deliver you up to councils and in, in the synagogues ye shall be beaten and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my name's sake, for a testimony against them. So Matthew says, take heed that no man deceive you and Mark says that the Lord said, take heed to yourselves. And when we think about what he's saying there, take heed to yourself, the most Important thing to notice about the end times and what Jesus had to say about the end times are not the things that are happening in the world as much as the things that will be happening in your heart. In the end times, he said, many people's hearts are going to be deceived. So he said, take heed to yourselves that you are not being deceived. And do you know that uh, nobody deceives themselves uh, like yourself? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We always go easy on ourselves, even if we don't go easy on nobody else. We, we can be really hard and really tough uh, on everybody else and at the same time be really soft uh, on self. Oh, oh, hallelujah. God's already dealt with me. So I'm preaching to you. I've already, I've already prayed, prayed through over. If you don't, if you don't, uh, you know, think what I'm telling you is the truth. Just, just look at yourself, spiritually speaking. Look at yourself in the mirror. How long has it been since? Uh, you just took spiritual inventory. That's what the, the word heed there means, to take inventory of yourself and to see, you know, one writer said, examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith or not. Take spiritual stock of your life and see if you measure up, not to the world, but see if you measure up to what Jesus said a child of God should be. So the most important thing we should be looking at in these end times is not what's happening in the world. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. Do you know nowhere in Jesus' teaching did he ever tell you to look for the Antichrist? Not once, ever. When you see this man doing this, or when you see this man rising up, when you see people flocking to this man, then be ready, that's the Antichrist. No, no. He told you to be looking and be ready for the Christ. 
I'm never taught to look for the Antichrist. That's why I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Because nowhere did Jesus teach me to look for signs and be warned when I see the Antichrist appear. Never did he teach that. But he taught me to look for his appearance. That it could come at any moment to like a thief in the night. So if I'm to take heed of myself, I'm to take stock of my own life, if I'm to examine myself, then the question must be, not as Lord, when are you going to return? When will the end of the world be? Who is the Antichrist? When will he be revealed? What is the date or the year or the moment? But rather the question should be, how is my relationship with Jesus tonight? How is my passion, my zeal, my love, my commitment, my dedication, and my faithfulness? Am I doing all that I can do? Am I sold out? Is there any unconfessed, impenitent sin in my heart? Am I ready to go? Do I read my Bible? And more than read it, am I a student of God's Word? Am I right with my brother? Do I have contempt in my heart for anyone? Meaning unforgiveness. If so, then I have got some work to do to be ready when the Lord comes. You see, that's the better question. Lord, search my heart tonight and let me see if I'm ready for your soon return. It's not, Lord, when are you coming? But rather it's, Lord, I want to be ready when you come. I want to tell you, he could come tonight. And what if he don't, somebody says. Well, you got plenty of time. The Bible said a wicked and a slothful servant saith in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming. There's something wicked about that mindset saying self Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Thou hast many, much goods laid up for many years. You've got plenty of time. You can do it later. It don't have to be tonight. It don't have to be right now. It just seems more like God to me, more like biblical truth, more the witness of the Holy Ghost is that when God speaks and I'm convicted or I'm stirred that today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Tomorrow may never come. You have to be ready now. If your love, if your commitment, if your dedication, if your faithfulness is waning, then you have to call into question, am I ready for the rest? Is he coming after a lukewarm church? He said, if you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Is he coming after a lukewarm church that has left their first love? No, no. Am I doing all that I can do? Somebody says, does it really require all that? 
I know we live in an age of easy believism. We live in an age of, uh, I don't know what they call it. What do they call it? That grace, what do they call it? Hyper grace. Hyper grace where everybody's going to heaven. The grace of God's like a great tsunami of love and God's pouring that out in the earth and it's just going to wipe everybody into heaven like a tidal wave. With God's love. Hey, brother, I wish it was that way. But ain't no sin getting in the city. No sin getting in the city. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me, meaning nothing but Jesus gets in. Nobody but Jesus gets in. And if he's not living in you and you're not being conformed to his image and made in his likeness, and if you're not a new creature after his image, then you don't get in. Am I ready to go? Am I doing all I can? Well, does it really take all that? Well, he said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all, all your heart, all your strength, all your soul, all your might. I am determined that you have to sell out to God. I know how they're going to call you a zealot. They're going to call you a religious fanatic. They're going to say that you have lost your ever-loving mind. They said to Paul, much learning has made you mad. He said, but we are fools for Christ's sake. Call me a fool. Say I've lost my mind. But you can call me gone when Jesus comes. Because I'm not going to be here. Are we really students of God's word? I mean, for me, before I was ever a preacher, when I began to read God's word, I don't know what God did in me exactly when I was born again, but all, the only way I can describe it is there become a love for God's word. And just reading it was just not good enough. I went and bought me a, concordance, a Strong's concordance, uh -huh. study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's all kind of truths and nuggets in that book. Amen. If you just take out the old pickaxe of study and begin to dig. Amen. Glory. Just begin to dig it out. He that letteth will let until he be taken out of the way, and then shall that wicked appear, whom the Lord shall destroy with the brightness yes, of his coming, yes. whose coming is after the working of Satan. That's in Second Thessalonians. I read that one time. For me, the word let and letteth means, you know, you let somebody do something, you just, you know, let them do it. You let them have their way, but that ain't what King James was talking about. The old English word means to restrain or withhold. Strong said it means uh, he who now restrains uh, and withholds uh, will continue to restrain and withhold until he's taken out of the way. Taken out of the way. That's the rapture, folk. It's the church. It's the praying church. It's Christ in the church uh, that is holding back the powers of hell. You don't believe that? Read the book of Daniel. 
Oh, yeah. I said, read the book of Daniel. There were Daniel and those three boys uh, were the only godly influence uh, in the stronghold of Satan in that nation. When those boys prayed, the devil couldn't do what he wanted to do. I want to tell you, as long as there is a church, a spirit-filled church, a praying church, praying and seeking God, many of you are saved because somebody prayed. You were lost, you were bound, you were on your way to hell. But the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And God heard that prayer and set you free and saved your soul. Don't tell me that prayer don't work. I know God answers prayer. And if it wasn't for praying people, then the devil would be wreaking way more havoc in the earth than he is tonight. And I want to tell you, when the church is caught up and caught out of here, the Bible said the Antichrist is going to come and it is literally going to be hell. On this earth. I, I plan to be among them that are taken out of the way. Amen. And it makes me feel a little bit good that I am in his way. He that letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. I'm glad tonight we're a roadblock to sin. I'm glad tonight we are a retardant to the wickedness of the earth. I'm glad tonight that hell can't do whatever it wants to do as long as there's a church in Foley, Alabama. Oh, listen, the Lord said, if I could only found 10 of them in Sodom, then I wouldn't have allowed the city to be destroyed. I'm going to make sure that hell can't destroy my country. How? Well, apparently my vote don't count, but they can't block my prayer. I said they can't lock my prayer. You can lock me in a prison cell with bleeding stripes on my back. Put my hands and feet stand fast in fetters and in chains. And I can still pray and God will answer prayer. We ought to be the devil's worst enemy. And if we ain't, why not? And if we ain't, are we really ready for the rapture? You know, ain't too many buddies of the devil going to make it in the rapture. Ain't too many friends of the world going to leave here in the rapture. You know, I'm just using a play on words saying ain't too many, but what I'm trying to tell you is none. Not one. You ain't going to find nobody in heaven that wasn't born again. You ain't going to find one person in heaven that didn't have victory in Jesus. He said, blessed is he that overcometh. For I will grant unto him to sit down with me in my throne, even as I also have overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Heaven is a place for overcomers. Heaven is a place for born-again men and women that have sold out to God and that gave God everything, all that they had. That's a place for, there ain't going to be no lukewarm in heaven. No half-hearted Christians in heaven. Nobody that wasn't sold out, committed, dedicated, and faithful in heaven. 
You ain't going to bump into people and say, oh, man, I never dreamed I'd see you here. You know them by their fruits. You don't walk up to a tree and say, my God, I thought you was a pine tree. And all this time, you've been an apple tree. I never knew. You know apple trees down here. Hey, Amen. You get apples down here in South Alabama, you got them at the grocery store. That's right. But there are pine trees down here. And I ain't never ate a pine cone that I thought was going to be an apple. I know the difference. I'm not going to somebody say, well, you're trying to judge people. I ain't judging nobody. I'm telling you, I ain't going to bump into nobody in heaven that I heard every time they get mad, they cuss somebody out. And I get to heaven and I look at my Lord. I'm sure glad you're here. Man, you surprised me. I didn't think you was going to be here. Don't fool yourself. Don't be deceived. You can't live like the world. You can't talk like the world. You can't be one with the world and expect you're going to make it into heaven. It ain't as hard as what you're making it to be, brother. No, no. I didn't say the Lord makes it hard. I'm just saying it's impossible for the flesh to get in that city. Flesh and bone, he said, ain't getting in. No, no. He said, secondly, I'm talking about essentials to be ready for his return. He said, next, number one, he said, take heed unto yourself that no man deceive you. Then he said, verse number six, and ye shall hear of wars, rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. He said, for nations shall rise against nation. Do you know the word nation there in the Greek is ethnos? That's where we get our word ethnicity. That literally means race will rise against race and kingdom shall rise against kingdom. I want to tell you, if that don't make you kind of, if that don't jolt you a little bit, it seems as though everything, all the propaganda that's being spit at you on the news is to divide us by race. I've never heard so much of that. I call it race baiting in my life. I've been unfriended by people, you know, on social media for preaching against falling for the race bait trap. You're not going to make me fall for that garbage. There's... There's neither Jew nor Greek nor male nor female in the kingdom of God. We're all children of God. I'm not looking at skin color. He's looking at the sin or saint. You're in or you ain't. It don't matter if you're Filipino. It don't matter if you're a Kenyan, a Ugandan, a Somalian, an Arab, Oh, an Indian, a white man, European, American, Canadian. I ain't what he's looking for. He wants to know, have you been born again? Yeah. 
Hallelujah. Don't talk to me about white privilege. What is that? That's the world is what it is. Take heed that you don't get caught up in the deception of the world and don't take the bait, the race bait trap. Tell somebody white privilege nothing. If you don't get born again, a white man's gonna burn in hell like a black man that ain't born again. That will shut them up in a second, I promise you. They bitten off more than they want to chew. They get to talking with me about race. I tell most of them, you come back and talk to me when you've let a, a, a black man sleep in your bed. When your wife cooked meals for a black man. When you've uh, gave money, thousands of dollars, upon thousands of dollars to black people so that they can have a church so that they can eat and buy food. Then talk to me about the race baiting and race war. Most of them wouldn't give you a dime. No matter what color your skin is. It's all just a lie of the devil. Listen, he said next, see that you be not troubled. You're going to hear of war and rumor of war. There's going to be race against race and kingdom against kingdom. See that you be not troubled. The word troubled there means to cry loud, to make a noise by an outcry, to be troubled in your mind, to be frightened in your heart, or to be alarmed or to be agitated. Oh, I've been guilty, I can tell you. Don't get me caught up in BLM, Black Lives Matters, Antifa, Anifa, however you want to pronounce it, Facebook wars, race wars, political wars of right versus left or Republican versus Democrat. Don't become alarmed or agitated at the things that are going to take place during the end times. I told Brother Larry, oh, I'm guilty sometimes. If I watch that news, my blood pressure's going to rise. If I hear them and you know, race baiting or feeding me lying propaganda. It makes me want to slap somebody. The spirit of slap comes on me. And if I were to be in front of them, I'd be in a room with them, I'd want to rise up and say, in the name of Jimmy Sullivan, in the name of my Vietnam vet dad who took a bullet through his neck and it exited out his back. In the name of my dad and every patriot in this country, shut up. I don't want to hear it. I want to tell you, you get caught up in that, uh, you will slam the door of the gospel in somebody's face. Uh, you get caught up in that kind of spirit. Uh, do you know what God wants to save lost and deceived people? And when you get caught up and get uh, stirred up and agitated and upset and troubled in your spirit uh, over the propaganda, over the race baiting, over the lies, uh, over the wars that are going on around you, you'll slam the door of the gospel in somebody's face. Yes, I'm a patriot. Yes, I believe that the left is totally demon-possessed. Yes, I believe that if you vote Democrat, 
something's bad wrong with you because they stand for abortion and they stand for what God calls an abomination. But chief above that, I must realize they're lost and my number one priority is to show them Christ. I must preach to them knowing they need to be saved. Only one thing can save a man's the gospel. My chief concern is not that he or she is a Democrat. My chief concern is, have you been born again? They get born again, you won't have to tell them how to vote. You're just crazy to try to tell somebody how to vote and they ain't born again. They're going to argue you, they'll hate your guts and you'll hate theirs. What about the chief issue at hand? Are they ready for the rapture? If not, it don't matter who they vote for. Third, look in verse number 13 with me. I'll start at verse number 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end same shall be saved. So the first essential being ready for his return is take heed unto yourself. The second essential, see that you be not troubled. Don't get stirred up, agitated, and caught up in their wars. Third, he that shall endure unto the end shall be saved. You are going to need endurance. Living for God is never described in the Bible as a 40-yard dash, but rather it is described as a marathon. Talking about a runner running in a race, it describes long-distance running. It describes endurance on the runner's part. Listen, he said, in the last days, in the end times, iniquity shall abound. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that endures unto the end shall be saved. Let's look at that word iniquity. Iniquity is a much stronger word than sin. Iniquity actually means lawlessness. It means to know what the law is and to willfully break God's law. To knowingly and openly break the law. The Bible said that the love of many would wax cold because of iniquity abounding. Notice it didn't just break off, but it waxed or rather grew cold like a fire without a log. A slow fade, if you will, a slow descent into moral lawlessness. James 4 and 17, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. Oh my God, a holy doctrine, Brother Clendenin used to teach, holy doctrine will produce holy men. Unholy doctrine will produce unholy men. He said, when I was pastoring, said pastored 45 years in Beaumont, he said, if I wanted them not to drink a beer, then I just about could not drink a Coca-Cola. I had to live above them, and I had to preach hell hot and heaven high. I had to preach sin was wrong and that Christ was holy and we were to be conformed to him. It just has to be that way. 
abound. Because iniquity shall abound. The word abounds there. Uh, abound means uh, an abundance or it rather refers to the opportunity to commit iniquity would be an abundance. That sounds like 2021 to me. The opportunity to live a lawless life is everywhere around you. The opportunity to live like the world, act like the world, dress like the world, talk like the world is all around you. It's not even preached against. It is looked upon with the norm as an open and acceptable practice. There's so much opportunity to sin. You don't even have to go nowhere. Just pull your cell phone out. There's so much opportunity to sin right there in the palm of your hand. Your eyes can behold the filthiest, vilest things. You don't have to go nowhere. Nearly every kid in the country's got one. Hello. Used to, the only way you could access the internet was on a PC. You know, at home on a desktop, parents would put, uh, you know, certain safeguards in there, you know, some kind of lock that you couldn't, I'm telling you, they got, every one of them got a smartphone in their hand. There's so much opportunity to sin, and because of the abundance of opportunity to commit iniquity, the love of many would begin to wax cold. If you don't put a log on the fire, the fire's going to go out. I want to tell you, every time you indulge in sin, every time you indulge in worldliness, you're taking a log off the fire. Every time you spend time or more time in that world is less time you're spending with God. You're pulling another log off the fire. No wonder when Paul visited that church in Ephesus that he had planted and left with his young disciple Timothy. He said, Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's in you. I know it was in you. It was in your mama. It was in your grandma before her. And I know it's in you by the laying on the hands of the presbytery. Stir it up. The word stir up there means to take a poker and stir up the coals. Stir up the embers of a fire that's going out. He said, Timothy, I see the flame and the fire of Pentecost dying in this Pentecostal church. And you're the pastor. Stir it up. Stir it up. They lived in Ephesus. I want to tell you, it was one of the most wicked, idolatrous cities. It had a temple there, one of the seven wonders of the world. A temple to the goddess Diana. There were temple prostitutes in that temple that would lay with every man. Every young boy in the city wanted to go worship Diana because he got to lay with a harlot in the court of the temple talking about getting young people wanting to go to church. That was the way the world would do it. You tell me. He said, Timothy, if you don't let the, if you don't stir the fire of Pentecost up, if you don't keep the flames going, you won't have any young people in this church. They'll all be down there with Diana. 
What have we seen in Pentecost? The natural trend is to lose them all to the world. You hear me? If we don't stir up, he said, he that shall endure unto the end. You're going to have to endure. How do you endure? You stay in that book. You stay in this altar. You stay in the church. You use that fire poker. You stir those coals and those embers up. You put logs on the fire. You edify yourself. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edified himself. He said, how would the God that you all speak in tongues? More than me, he said. Oh, my God. I want you to be full of the Holy Ghost. That's going to help you endure. I want you to stay in the Word. That's going to help you endure. I want you to not forsake the assembling of yourself together. That's the manner of some is. You need to be in church. Throw another log on the fire. Don't tell me you're as hot on the couch as you would be on the front pew. Hey, hallelujah. I'm going to help myself right there. Preach, Brother Eddie, preach. Don't tell me you're as hot in the recliner as you would be in this house. Oh, God, I feel God in this place. Endurance. Endurance. Amen. I, I wish to God every week was a shouter, was a pew jumper. I wish every time I preached, people responded. I wish every time I preached, people got saved, healed, and baptized in the Holy Ghost. I wish every time I prayed, the fire fell. I wish every, every prayer meeting I attended was a, just a jubilant experience of heaven on earth. But you know what? A lot of times it's not. A lot of times I fight hell the whole time. A lot of times I'm feeling... The, Weary in my body, weary in my mind. A lot of times I'm discouraged in my spirit. Some services, uh, I might think I've got the message, uh, and when I preach it, it's just like beating my knuckles on a brick wall. Nothing happens but the ouch when I go home. Lord, that one was a dud. That was like fireworks that didn't spark, uh, didn't go off. It was just a dud. Nothing happened. We were in revival one year with Brother Hanks and man, he preached. He preached and I felt God, he gave the altar call. I'm just telling you, when, when we came to the altar, it's just like, nothing. <laughs> I got up here toward the end of the altar call and I, I pumped and I primed. I threw gas and I waved the fan and I, I did everything I could do to try to get a breakthrough when service was over. I said to Brother Harold Hanks, I said, what happened? He said, I don't know. I said, did you feel that thing just hit the brick wall? He said, yep. I said, what happened? He said, I don't know. I've been doing this for a long time, years. He said, sometimes they don't feel good. Sometimes they worked all day long and they tired to the bone and they ready to go home. Sometimes they sick. Sometimes they hurt. So 
Sometimes our minds trouble distracted. They got a fight with a love when a relationship ain't right and their minds just distracted and they, they, they never heard what you said. I said, I don't know what to do, man. That frustrates me. He said, we can't do but one thing. Come back tomorrow night, hit it again. Come back tomorrow night, hit it again. <laughs> I got a call this week. Somebody used to attend, ain't been here in a long time. Don't believe they go anywhere now. Brother Eddie, I, you know, I heard you still at Bible Way. I need to come back over there and see you sometime. I said, come on, we still here. I got no plans of turning back. I got no plans of taking my hand off the plow. I got no plans of leaving or quitting. No, no. If the Lord tarries, I'm going to work till Jesus comes. It's called endurance. My plan is if the Lord tarries, it's coming. And my grandchildren want to get married in this sanctuary. Old gray-headed brother Eddie will be here to cheer them on. Your grandchildren get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Brother Eddie will be shouting with them around the altar. You know, we take marriage vows. We said to God by death to separate us. And the Bible said symbolism of marriage. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother shall cleave unto his wife, and these two shall be one. And Paul said, I speak a mystery unto you. This is a picture of Christ and his church. Ain't nothing but death. Ain't nothing but death gonna make me quit in this life living for Jesus. Be thou faithful unto death. And I will give unto thee a crown of life. I see people live this their whole life. Something happens to them when they get old. They lose their mind. They give up on every belief they've ever had. I'm like, man, you live this and preach this your whole life. What in the world happened? All of a sudden, they want to act like a teenager. I'm like, you don't need to act like no goofy, immature teenager. You need to lead that teenager to come. The only way you can do it, endurance. In the end times, this is what the Lord said. In the end times, it will be easy to sin and easy to quit. To endure means to stand to remain, to fight, and never quit. In the end times, it will be easy to sin and easy to quit. But he that endures refuses sin and refuses to quit will be saved. Curse if you help me. I'm going to blow through these next two pretty quick. Fourth, fourth essential of being ready. He said, this gospel shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Amazing thing has happened to me. It's during pandemic. 
when statistics say that about 30% that went into quarantine won't ever come back. And that's borne out to be true, sad but true, in most churches. They got comfortable on the couch, in the recliner, and they ain't never going to come back. I've seen people, I, I've made this statement a bunch of times, but I still got people that I'm waiting to come back after Hurricane Ivy. How many years ago was that? I'm still looking for them. I'm still waiting on them to come back. And crazy me, I still pray for them to come back. <laughs> I'm not going to be content with them missing the rapture. I still pray for them to come back. Hadn't forgot them, but I watched them. Everything in this town was tore up. As bad, you know, as Sally. I don't know that we lost as many trees and that kind of stuff as we did during Sally, but I'm telling you, there was a lot of stuff tore up after Ivan. People were putting roofs on, rebuilding barns, and, you know, all kind of stuff, hauling for FEMA. Here we are. Hey, we, we miss you. We need you. We'd like to have you back. Well, when I get this done, when I get this, I'm putting daddy's roof on. I'm over here helping my brother put his roof on. And, you know, we we rebuilding the barn this week. And weeks rocked into months. And they got comfortable never going to church. And they're still not going to church. This gospel shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations, and it's been an amazing thing to me. I don't, I'm not comfortable with it. I don't like it. But nonetheless, it's been a door that God opened that during this dark, crazy hour of pandemic, fear and even, even compromise in the church, this gospel's reaching people that it's never reached before. Amen. By means of live stream, I, I did missions work off of Zoom calls. I've never been to India, but I'm telling you, I can't count the number of times I've preached to Indian men on a Zoom call. <laughs> Online apps. People need to listen now on an app off their phone to the gospel. Ways to get the gospel message out. God is stirring men's hearts. He wants them to hear. The Lord gripping hearts and drawing people to the church. The, the giving of the church went up during the pandemic when I didn't have a third of the people in here. Why? Because people that are out of state that have never came to this church in their life are listening to the services, count themselves to be members, and are giving under the work. It's an amazing thing to me. This gospel is going to reach somebody. If you'll hear from heaven, and if you'll preach the truth, God will anoint you to preach it. And he'll make somebody listen to you. Woo! I said he'll make somebody listen to you. Why would anybody want to hear this old slow Alabama slang voice? No reason under the sun. But if Christ is talking through it, he'll cause them to hear. Last 
said, when this gospel shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations, then shall the end come. There's the last one. Then shall the end come. I read the book. The end is going to come. And we win. He's coming back after a glorious church. That's going to be the end of it all. A church raptured out in glory. Made like him. See him as he is. I told Brother Larry, son, if they think we good looking now, just wait to then. You know I'm lying. <laughs> Brother Larry says, speak for yourself. Going to be changed. He said, if you would not be deceived, if you take heed that you're not deceived, he said that if you would not be troubled, that is, not be agitated or caught up in the wars of this life, if you would, <clears throat> if you would stay in that book, if you'd stay on fire, if you would endure in what God's called you to endure in, then if you'd preach this word, be anointed when you do it, have a heart to reach the lost, you're going to be ready when he comes. Then shall the end come. i tell you what we're going to be doing on the day of the rapture. We're going to be praying. We're going to be studying. We're going to be witnessing. We're going to be working. And we might be in church. Or we might have done all of the above on the same day. But we're going to be doing one or any or all of those things if we're ready when Jesus comes. Hallelujah. You ready? If the Lord comes tonight, you ready? You know, if he don't come tonight, what if your heart were to quit beating? Are you ready? I lost one of my high school buddies yesterday. Matt Gartman. I know daddy probably wouldn't remember the name, but he'd remember him if he, I showed him a picture. He was, he was one of my arch rivals in baseball. I couldn't get that dude out for nothing. And he loved every minute of it. But off the field, we were buddies. I don't know what happened. I'm assuming a heart attack or something, but died unexpectedly and instantly. Anytime I see one of my old buddies die now, I'm 49, so that's probably what age he was, and I thought, was he ready? Yep, he was a good dude. A lot of good memories, a lot of fun times. Was he ready to, to meet the Lord? If he wasn't, then I need to be about that fourth essential, preaching the gospel to every creature for a witness unto all nations. I don't want nobody to miss it. I'm going to tell you, 
I don't want the first person I know to go to hell. Nobody. I heard of a dad, son was in rebellion, graduated high school. Him and three or four boys, they wanted to come to Gulf Shores and they wanted to party hardy. Party down after graduation. Dad said, you ain't going. I ain't allowing He's a Christian man. He said, I ain't allowing it. I forbid it. That old boy got mad. He said, I ain't never been able to do nothing I want to do. Can't go nowhere. Can't hang out with my friends. I'm going whether you like it or not. I'm 18. I've graduated. I'm a grown man. I'm going. The last thing that dad ever said to his son, he said, you go ahead then. He said, don't ever come back to this house. If you leave like that, don't come back. He said, you can just go. You know where he told him to go. And he told him that, and that boy went out that night with those buddies. And they got drunk. Somebody driving that car drunk run off the road, and all four of them boys got killed in that car wreck. Brother Tim said, I went to that funeral. That man was a member of a church down the road in our community. He said, I went to that funeral. He said, the most pitiful thing you'll ever see in your life is an old man draped over the casket of his boy, sobbing his eyes out and said, son, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it, son. I didn't want you to go there. I never wanted you to go there. You may think you hate somebody. But if you could hear them scream in a pit of hell for five minutes, you'd go up to them, you'd weep in front of them, you'd hug their neck, and you'd say, I love you. I don't want you to go there. You'd forget about any differences you got. The Bible says you'd leave your gift at the altar, and you'd go and try to be reconciled to it. That's part of being ready. Well, rapture, are you ready? I want you to be. You need to be. You heard what the Spirit of God said. You didn't have to hear that as a witness, but I'm telling you, everywhere I go, the Spirit of God is speaking to the church, saying the same thing. I'm coming. I'm coming soon. Don't you want to be ready? Meet me in this altar tonight. Let's seek his face.